Episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Mellon McFadden, sitting here in uh, Adelaide in South Australia now, which is my wife's hometown. Got to adjust the time zones, adjust the weather. It's it's autumn. There's rugby on the cards for my boy and me uh, during the week, and it's happy days. How you going there, Rath? I'm good, mate. Uh, I'm dude. I'm still for you, man. I've been wanting to hear how uh, now that you're out of lockdown. How your uh, your country and your native people are, man? How, how have they have they taken you in? I imagine they. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they feel like I do, they'd probably put your ass back in a plane uh, and send you right back <laughs> to the hot deserts of the Middle East. But how's it been, though? Seriously, how's it been, man? Oh, mate, we we uh, they've got the red eye flight, which is like a midnight flight across the country, which we had to do to get out of uh, WA. They had a, a, a minor outbreak and the state was locked down and the other borders closed, the other states closed the borders to them. So we had to sort of get this one flight all the way across the country from midnight to sort of 3.30 a.m. to Melbourne, change planes and back with the kids and you land, you've had about 45 minutes sleep. But it was, we just went straight out and went straight to Cherry's grandmother's house, you know, the 94-year-old matriarch and paid our respects and Annie got onto the piano and just... <laughs> smashed out three hours of songs and had aunties around. It was just, honestly, it's been awesome. And then Sunday we had a, a huge family, uh, like a Thanksgiving lunch with probably 35 people down at uh, the beach. It was just awesome. It was, because I've been here for two years, there's probably about four new human beings in the family, all these little babies, which I haven't met before. It's, it's been great. And we had a, we had a night out in the gas on um, Saturday night party time there's basically no coronavirus whatsoever in south australia so there's no masks there's nightclubs are packed it's it's normal why it's like pre-covid it's like 2019 it's happy times happy times how about you mike how you doing man uh i'm a little bit jealous uh but just a little bit because i had a really good weekend uh i went out to north carolina went camping uh, some fishing, rented a golf cart, was running a muck around on that, chasing some of the wildlife and had a really, really nice time with some really good friends and people. Um, so I'm pretty happy coming off of that and finished up work last week. And uh, yeah, dude. And I haven't really talked to you guys last couple of days. So hearing about Melon's uh, adventures, you know, it's just like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, he got out. You know, they finally let him out of quarantine and just getting some pictures of you guys at, uh, uh, lunch or brunch or whatever that was this morning was just really nice to see you guys out and about with people without masks and family and smiles for once. It's nice to see people's teeth again. Right. It's all like you walk up and you sort of, Whoa, is it like elbow bumps or fists? And they're like, everyone's like, what? And they're just giving you a big hug, you know, you're like happy days. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So uh, I, if you guys don't mind, so there's something that's, Tomorrow, so today's May 2nd that we're recording this, but tomorrow, personally for me, I was uh, thinking about over the weekend and there was a little ceremony for him on Saturday, but this is the five-year anniversary of one of my best mates uh, being killed in action over in Iraq. Uh, so 
a guy named Charlie Keating IV uh, was killed in Iraq on May 3rd, uh, 2016. <clears throat> and uh, really close friend of mine, uh, we, we did a lot of training together. Uh, I won't really get into that, but uh, just he's one of those guys that you can call your best friend. And Charlie was the guy that had a thousand best friends just because that's the kind of guy he was. And every year May 3rd rolls around. I think about uh, back when I was a, a young lad and so was he, and we'd have some conversations and different th stuff and new into the military and our jobs and, and what we were doing. Um, you, he's the type of guy you wanted to be around and uh, you know, something about him, you got, you can look up, there's, there's a lot of stuff about him and his life and who he was. You can go on YouTube and there's a video that his family um, C3 uh, made. So his name is Charlie Kidding the fourth. His nickname was C4, right? Pretty cool. Uh, but C3, his dad and his family kind of led a, uh, a video about Charlie's life and who he was and how humble he was. And, um, you know, he was, he was kind of born into a lot of money and opportunity there and he still he still chose to serve his country over anything um and i really respected him for that and he never uh he never led a life of materials it was always about earning it and being the best person that he could be for himself and the people around him uh but anyway it's, it's always kind of a somber day but also a, a celebratory moment that uh he existed for one and um yeah there was a a post that his, his dad kind of put out and it was about uh, his actions on 4 March of 2016 in which he earned the Navy Cross, which is the highest medal in the Navy that you can get uh, besides the Congressional Medal of Honor. And just to know that like I walked the halls and knew this, this guy, this man in my life is just extremely humbling and you know, we've talked in previous episodes when we have guests on and we talk about past past people and how we carry on throughout the day. Uh, Charlie's one of those guys that I think about often about when the day sucks or when I'm putting on my uniform and things are kind of monotonous. But I take that pause and I think about Charlie and what I'm doing with my day or what I'm about to do. Uh, and I he kind of is my fuel and pushes me on. He's he's one of the one of the guys that is my fuel uh, that pushes me. So I just want to put out a remembrance to him today. And uh, if you're listening, please just take, you know, two minutes. So check out his, his story uh, from his family and the type of people they are and what they've been doing with the world of helping veterans and people who are struggling in the, in, in remembrance of their son, because that's ultimately what he did. He always just wanted to help people and be the best that he could. And uh, he's one of those guys that was always first, uh, not just physically, the dude could run like a 22 minute four mile on the beach in boots. Like it was pretty damn impressive. But anytime there was something to do, he was always like, yeah, bro, let's go do it and throw up the hang loose sign. And he was a big surfer, you know, and he was just always the first. Uh, so anyways, I just wanted to put that out there. I remember last year, Mike, at uh, Remembrance Day 11-11, we, uh, we set up a little memorial to him on our compound there in, uh, in Riyadh in Saudi. And so I did a little bit of research, obviously, on him. And uh, 
we have a we have a a, a remembrance reading we do on our Anzac Day on the 25th of April every year. And part of that is they fell with their faces to the foe and there can be no higher um, statement about a, a man who fell in combat, but that he fell facing the enemy and in action. And I know that that was definitely the case for, uh, for your man there, Chuck. Yeah. So, and, and just respect. bringing that up real quick, you read his story and and when i heard about it i was an instructor and a friend came up to me a fellow teammate and came up and, and told me hey man it was it was chuck that was just killed this morning and uh on march before march he received for the actions that he did he he basically held off uh about 150 isis members from overrunning their position with him and a small group of uh, his his fellow SEALs. And he was given the Navy Cross. And then just, you know, two months later, almost to the day, he, 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 he was killed. And you would have never known that he did what he did because it was just his job, it was his love of life. He was humble, he didn't talk about it. And just the amount of heroic actions that he had was just, a part of him. It wasn't who he was. It was just his responsibility that he felt of why he joined. And uh, I respect the hell out of him. And he, he's kind of my guiding light when it comes to life. And, you know, is this the right thing to do for personal gain? Is this the kind of thing that I should honor and respect and, and just be quiet about and move on with my, my business and my life? Uh, it's, it's very, it's very awesome just to think about that. But uh, he ran to the roof on, <clears throat> on uh, May 3rd, uh, basically, the Peshmerga, who is the partner force in Iraq, they they fled from an overwhelming uh, ISIS force that was coming down to take the town, and they called for QRF, which is a quick reaction force, and Charlie led the way in his vehicles with just a handful of SEALs, and they went into the village and took up a very tough position on a building to repel the entire attack. And uh, they, to say the least, they hammered the living dog shit <laughs> out of these uh, ISIS members. But Charlie was a sniper. And one of the last accounts I've talked to a few guys was he was grabbing his 300 wind mag to go up to the rooftop and was just up there just banging away on his long gun and dropping dudes coming in behind armored vehicles. And uh, one of the things they try to do is they, they'd up armored vehicles with an put V-beds, uh, make them into V-beds. So they're up-armored vehicles packed full of barrels and barrels of explosives, and they just drive it into your city or into your compound and detonate. And then just like a colony of ants, they just flood it. That's like one of their tactics. So Charlie's up there just <laughs> banging away, shooting the driver, trying to take dudes out on, next to the vehicle behind the plates, poking their head out. And he got up and went to reposition and around caught him under his, uh, under his plates. And uh, they grabbed him off the roof. They dragged him into the stairwell. And uh, he bled out in about 30 seconds, which I'm happy about that he didn't suffer too long. But the guys that were with him said that he just had the biggest smile on his face. Like he was just proud to be with his boys. And he died with a smile on his face doing what he loved to do. And uh, he saved a lot of he saved a lot of lives that day. And he took a lot of bad lives. And uh you know, I know for him, that was one of the proudest moments. And then hearing stuff from his father, too, uh, I don't think there could be a higher 
honor than to hear people talk about your son and his actions and who he was in the way that his platoon mates did. So um, just, just a little backstory, you know, that's, uh, that's one of the men that I I've been blessed to have as a teammate and a, and a friend uh, in my life. And I just want to pay him the proper respect uh, tomorrow for tomorrow. That's, yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say. That's, I mean, I've, I've heard that I've heard, you know, C4's uh, story before, but it's, it's always different when I hear it from somebody who actually knew him, right? Like it's, it's different from like, you read an article, you read some, some piece from like a na national, you know, literature, like national news type thing, but to hear the, like the, the actual stories, um, pretty extraordinary. It just kind of reminds you of guys like Russ and listen to his story last week, you know, like just sitting there and he's just so humble about the whole thing. And the whole time you're just thinking, this is nuts. Like he's, he's literally charging into a kitchen after he saw a dude with a shot off shotgun and a ski mask and he's got nothing. It's pretty extraordinary, man. Yeah. And like some of the points that were made around um, Russ's story, your intro piece, Ralph, which I thought was really good, is that we can all start to think that this stuff's totally normal from the torrent of unreal, false stuff out of Hollywood and TV shows and stories. And when, when you realise that these are real people, these, this is someone's son, this is someone's partner, this is, you know, men and women who are human beings you know, graduated college and you know what I mean? Like they're normal humans who are doing these extraordinary things, especially when you know them and you've met them, you know, that's, it's humbling. And it's also in, inspiring. And it can be a bit like, if a human can do this, you know, what can you do that you're not doing right now? What are you actually capable of? If you push yourself like, Freaking Russ walked out four days later, right? And three months later, he was running at the, uh, you know, doing sp a sprint race at the, was it the Wounded Warriors? What's it called in the US? Yeah, the Warrior track. Games. The Warrior Games, right? The track and field, man. You're like, what are you doing? You freaking madman. Yeah. <laughs> I stub my toe or I step on a piece of Lego with bare feet and I'm out for like a week. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you're not lying. Like, I'll wake up, you know, and I have like a crook on my neck, and I'm like, I can't work out today. No, nope, no, nope. that's like, you know, doctor's orders. <laughs> I need to just relax. I actually, I'm going to go get a massage. Everything needs to be perfect. If something's not perfect. I don't need to do it. Yeah. So that, that brings a. It brings a topic, well, not a topic, maybe a discussion. Maybe this episode is just going to kind of be a discussion. But, you know, when I think about guys like like this, like Russ, uh, you know, these dozens of other people that we've known who've passed on and we admire the, the shit out of them. It's just like, why do we admire those people? You know, that's the question I ask is, why did I look up to them? Why did I, why do I miss them? Why did they inspire me? And it's because of their character and who they were. And, you know, I, fir I firmly believe like good people and good people can do great things together and help each other out and lift one another. But 
also I ask myself at what cost? And when I look at people like that, there I for myself, and then this is again, this is my opinion. I feel that there is a line where I have to reel myself back when I get involved with certain things or entities that can provide uh, money or opportunity or, uh, you know, I get invited to a special event and I got to take a step back and, and look at myself and be like, okay, how do I go about this with maintaining what I'm supposed to uh, with my background, it's it's being a quiet professional, and that's pushed very very hard within the ranks. But there are many many examples of people out there who literally do the opposite and choose to like how they ask themselves instead of how do I maintain being a quiet professional, they say how can I benefit from this and exploit it, which everybody has the reasons, right? Everybody has a different path, everybody has a different life, and you know, whatever. But for me personally, uh, I, it is not mine to like my accomplishments in the title that I've, that I've gotten, that's stuff that I've accomplished. Yes. But I don't own, I don't own that title. That title was around way before I was where many, many other men have passed and, uh, built that legacy and given their lives and given blood and sweat and everything else to build that legacy. And it is not mine to profit from, uh, my character of who I am. I believe that that is something that I believe I have the right to profit from, but a title will only get you so far. Uh, you know, you can look at a president, you can look at a CEO, you can look at, you know, a sports player or whatever. It's just, just because you're called captain, just because you're called boss, just because you're called commander doesn't give you the, doesn't make you a good person. Uh, the title is like, Oh, okay. Might get your foot in the door, but let's face facts. If you're an asshole, you're always going to be an asshole. Uh, if you, if you have an attitude, if you're selfish, you're always going to, you know, you'll probably be, be selfish. If you're an IGM or an, I got mine type person, then you're probably always going to do that. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Just for me, man, that's the last thing I think about is how can I get mine? That's not how. Is this, a good time to, is this a good time to tell you, Mike, the week, but I think you're quite an asshole. Yes, it is actually. Uh, I'm totally fine with that guys. I mean, sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta be the asshole. Let's face it. Um, especially when you got, uh, see you next Tuesdays breathing down your neck, you know, you gotta keep them in line, you know, but <laughs> So is your is your point here around uh, trading off special forces stuff specifically, Mike? Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about you know status versus character? Like where are you going here? Yeah, I mean, I have my own personal views within special operations community. Uh, I I do have a lot of personal issues with it with uh, the brand that we've become in the last 15 years, I would say, I, th I think that's, uh, I, again, personally, I think it's wrong. Um, you know, there's, there's a saying out there that is, uh, the deed is all not the glory. And that was preached to me when I first came in and I thoroughly like got behind that. I was like, that's, that's what I was told. That's, that's about the people that I've read about from, 
World War II, from Korea, from Vietnam, like all the all those conflicts in between is like those guys didn't have social media. Those guys didn't get out and immediately, you know, write books or get on the news and tell their story about how cool they were. Hey, like Raph always jokes around like, hey, man, what's selection like? And it's just like it's funny because literally that everybody gets asked these questions. And it's like if you don't know every pipeline or every turn by now, like then you then you live, live under a rock. And the fact that there's TV shows and movies all the time, just about, you know, there's video games. It's just like, what are we doing uh, that, you know, I could go on forever about it, man. But yes, to the ultimate point that I think we can all relate to is when do we allow our success to get in the way of how we prosper from it? And, and the difference and how should we be as people? How, how should we be as professionals in any field? How should we be as men? You know, the, the, the characteristics and the personality that you have as a man shouldn't change by the profession that you choose. I, you know, there's, the, there's a reason that you're there and that you're a part of that profession is because you bring something to the table. Right. Well, I think you're right. I think initially, you don't have to be special operations. I just think initially in any sort of profession where there's some uh, degree of risk, law enforcement, you know, medical field, because you're exposed to all these unknown, especially we're surrounded by sick people. Obviously, the military, and, and specifically in the last 20 years where we've had nothing but full warfare. Yeah. My phone just went off. That's weird. Sorry. Random commercial. Um, you know, I, I think initially what draws people, and not everybody, I, I'd hate to generalize because whenever you generalize a large population, I mean, I'm going to be wrong, right? There's so many people that fall outside of that. But um, I just think that initially everyone gets drawn to, to the idea because I think there's no higher calling than adding value to other people. And I think when you become part of something that's bigger than you and you know that it's generally a great cause, that not only I think that's alluring because I think it raises your 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 value system and it raises your your self worth individually. I think deep down in your conscious, and I think I've heard, I hate to steal all of, all of Doctor Jordan Peterson stuff, but I've I've heard him say that you know one of the and I think it was him that one of your greatest callings is in your own self conscious, the idea of wanting to help other people, like you know. Most people are miserable when they feel like they can't bring value to a society or they can't bring value to those that are immediately around them. I think there's a lot of truth behind that. I think my most miserable days or existence are when I feel like I'm worthless, right? Like there's no self-worth. And how do you get self-worth is when I know that I, that I bring value to other people. And I think that's the draw to a lot of these professions, not just special operations. I mean, there's, there's so many. But then as you start to kind of evolve and you start to grow and you mature and you get better and better in your job, you know, and you start to kind of see how people value or they kind of put you up on this pedestal. I mean, listen, man, it's easy for anybody. I don't think any, I don't think it's anyone's, you know, above it. You can kind of fall victim to to this praise and you start to believe like I'm this this amazing person. And, you know, maybe maybe I am worth these these praises, which maybe come with dollar signs. And um, I mean, I, I I understand what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree with, I, with, I agree with what you're saying. I don't agree with 
uh, the methodology or whatever people are doing with it, but I can kind of understand how they fall for it, you know, and then it's, it might be one of those things where you might, they might kind of beguile themselves with just thinking that by coming out in the open when they should be quiet professionals, maybe by coming out in the open, they're helping in some way. And so if you disguise it, if you kind of wrap it around this, this idea where, Hey, I'm bringing value, even though on the side of monetizing this, it, it can become slippery, right? You convince yourself, right? You're like, I think I'm doing a good thing, but, but let me circle back. I think the the important note here is this is why you need to have a core group of friends that can bring you back to reality. And that's what I love mostly about YouTube jerks and uh, my inner group of, of pilot friends is because we'll call each other out faster than, than I call myself out. But I, I need that in my life, right? I need someone to call me out and be like, dude, you're being a douchebag. You're being a tool, um, you know, and I'll gladly do it for you guys. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you about a minute. Uh, as soon as you guys open your apps. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. But there's there's a lot to that. I remember in post Gulf War One ninety one, there was a British SAS patrol that famously heaps of them got killed or captured, and one guy uh, made it to the Syrian border and made it back. He actually walked from freaking. They were out looking for Scud missiles. It's a a guy. So a guy wrote a book about it, Bravo Two Zero, and then. The guy who made it wrote a book called The One That Got Away. And then there was a huge dust up in the Australian. We have quite a bit to do with the British SAS. There's quite a big dust up, but these, these guys had written books and made quite a lot of money. And there were guys who died in that patrol. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole, that was the first time I heard that discussion around, you know, are you trading off people who've fallen for your own profit? Or are you, are you telling a story that needs to be told? Like it's a, it's a very, murky area and there's good arguments on either side but it's very difficult when you then hear people in the community who knew these guys who are not happy with the situation and who really feel that the one individual is trading off people who are no longer with us yeah you nailed it melon because you know that that is a very common topic that i have conversations about i so to me there there's guys that get in and they want to do a certain job, regardless of what you do. They just love doing their job. You know, some people love being a mechanic. Like my cousin's a mechanic. He just loves cars and he just loves it. And it's all he wants to do is just work on cars, make them faster, make them bigger, make them, you know, everything. And that's passion. You know, they have true passion to like what, what they're getting into. And then there's the other, there's other people that I see constantly, not even in the military, but just a, across the board with social media and everything is people want to have like this identity, this legacy that they want to like leave behind or lead. And it's just like, for what, you know, for, for the military, like, again, I've had friends, you know, with the same opinion, but, and again, this is just mine. There's three things that I think you'll honestly be remembered for in the military, like ultimately, and we're talking like long-term, okay? Like people want to be like, oh, I'm trying to build my legacy. Like for 10 years down the road, you'll be talked about, right? To me, if you mess something up really, really bad, like you, you change the whole community because, you know, you broke this unforgivable law, people are always going to remember you because you messed up. So there's one. Two is like you did something amazing and you got an award, okay? You were awarded the Medal of Honor. You you got a silver star. Uh, 
a Navy cross or air, you know, an air medal, whatever. Okay. People are going to remember you because you were part of that. Or the worst is people will remember you because you were killed in action or you got someone else killed and you have to walk into that command or down the street or see memorials every year because your picture's posted everywhere because you're fallen, right? The rest of it, I don't really see where it fits in as like you're building your legacy. People are going to remember you because, you know, in my experience, there's somebody that's retiring. There's an email that goes out on, on Wednesday and it's like, you know, so-and-so is retiring after 29 years of faithful service in special operations. He's done everything under the umbrella and it's blah, blah, blah. You're cordially invited to his retirement ceremony. You know what his legacy means to the rest of us because of how busy you delete the email because I have stuff to do. I have to meet my timeline. I didn't even know this guy. And you hit delete and you probably never hear from that guy ever again. After 29 years of service, really think about it. How many people have in that situation and, and you never hear from these people again? That's your legacy. Unless you do one of those three things that I mentioned. And that's my that's my opinion. That's kind of what I've learned after almost 15 years in the military and seeing it. So at what point do you go like, okay, man, I'm just here to do my job to the best I can. And once I'm out, I'm out. And I'm just, I don't want a legacy. Like, I don't want to be remembered for messing up. I don't want to be part of something and get a big award, probably because I either got wounded or I was in some something really bad. And I also don't want to get killed or one of my teammates killed. Why would I want any of that? So I just want to get in, do my job, move on, go to my next life and be a good man and just continue. Yeah, Melon. It's interesting the point you raised because I feel like there's in the, in the age of social media and the Kardashians and all that kind of stuff, that there's a whole lot of pursuit of- um, You bite your tongue. You immediate question. <laughs> K Kardashian is a saint. You bite your tongue. <laughs> but there's a pursuit of, of status. I heard a really good um, definition of wealth and that there's four parts and there's financial, second one's status, the third one's relationships, and the fourth one's time. And the only one of those things that you've got an absolute finite amount that you can never get more of is the time. And that you need to be careful if you're pursuing financial or status at the expense of relationships or time. That the second two, the relationships and time are the ones that are gonna fundamentally alter your life and transform your existence and your feeling in the moment and the life that you feel you're leading. Obviously we all need resources. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to eat, we've got to feed your kids, all that kind of stuff, right? But if you are pursuing status, if that's the prime motivator for you, and I think that that's what you're sort of referring to there, Mike, how you're seen and external validation. I know that that has never been anything that has ever like, and we all do it and I've done it too, but that, that has never been anything that has generated a sustainable sense of meaning or fulfillment. And it's always been the internal stuff, like my, my own family, my own circle, like the relationships I have and the way that they perceive me, like my own reputation to people I care about rather than freaking faceless masses and people on the other end of a social media click, like a like, you know, that has never registered for me in, in any case. Maybe I'm a bit too old or a bit lucky, but, but those relationships with people you know 
are the ones that just sustain you and they ground you like you were saying, Raph, you know, you got your mates who are going to call you out when you start frigging fluffing your own pillows a bit too much, you know? Well, no, I'm glad that you said that. Um, so for our listeners, disregard what Melon said, I love my status. I'm actually trying to increase my status. If you, you could just hit like and just specifically <laughs> when you write, like when you write reviews, if you could just bring my name up, that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, listen, status is, it's a, it's, it's funny, Melon, you say this, and I think you're absolutely on something. It's a, at best, it's kind of a fleeting thing, meaning it, like, it's great while it's happening. Like, you have a status, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're the best of the best with honors and everyone's applauding your performance and maybe we'll remember you for a couple of days. But kind of what Mike said, you know, and some very specific communities, but probably more so than non, um, we're all busy. Like we might applaud your performance, your performance might be pl- uh, applauded. And then after like a week, we'll kind of forget. We'll forget what the hell you did until, you know, years down the road, somebody will bring it up like, oh yeah, that's right. Because I, you know, I think about stuff often and there's so many stories that'll just pop into my head. I'm like, holy hell, I forgot about that. Or somebody else will bring up a story and I'm like, I forgot I was involved in that. I mean, I, and I imagine I'm not alone. You know, I, this, I'm sure this is like 99% of the population. So yeah, it's interesting, you know, just being careful with uh, chasing that status because one, it's fleeting. So you're basically just chasing something that's not really going to bring real happiness. Because the, the thing that's linked to that is in this, this particular person talking about the wealth with status, like the car or the house or the clothes or the flashy drinks or whatever, that you can be, you know, running up a credit, credit card debt, for example, because you're trying to you're living an aspirational status. And it's like, what are you, like, that's a whole thing. Like, what are you doing there? And wealth being how long, if you lost your income, how long could you sustain your lifestyle? Like, that's a good definition of wealth. Like, what reserves you have and whether you can run the way you live now, like, sort of indefinitely for me, that's a very good definition of wealth. But if you, like, I think it's really clear that you're trading for social media status or, or so on is it's like it's clear i think for our generation that that's all false because we lived before that that was the case but these young people now feel like social media friends are friends like we use the wrong <laughs> we use the wrong word to describe these connections that you have on social media right like if if we are not applauding and remembering daily the people we work with just because we expect professionalism they've done their job we're doing our job we don't need to thank each other for freaking getting out of bed and doing what you have said you'll do. And I, I don't need to be thanked for that. And Raf and Mike doesn't need to be thanked for that. How long do you think these faceless people in social media land are gonna remember you? Or as soon as you're not the new thing, you're not in fashion. If that's the thing that's motivating you, there's something fundamentally flawed. And it's a difficult thing with kids to think, you know, how do you get a child to grow up in this era and have a circle of mates that they know are the real people? that will bounce ideas off them and call them on their BS. Yeah, it that's face value versus people with emotional investment. It's it's so completely different. I mean, literally everything on social media and everything out there is pictures and it's swiping, right? Whether you're on Instagram or anything else, it's just face value, look at it for two seconds. The, like the average attention span for an American right now is eight seconds. Eight freaking seconds. 20 years ago, it was, I think like, a minute and a half. Like, just think about how drastically gone it's down because everything I look at, is this person attractive? Nope. Swipe left. 
you know, uh, hey, what's this? Oh, nope, don't care about that. Oh, it's military. Nope, swipe left. Don't care. Like, there's no substance. There's no anything. It's literally like, oh, that person looks attractive. Oh, that that, that person looks happy. Oh, their life's perfect. Oh, look how cool this is. Oh, look at this special operations guy with all his, you know, all all his cool guy gear. It's like, there's no emotional investment there. Like, they actually have people, Mel, and like you're saying, like family members, real friends that you spent time with, that you've trained with, that you went to school with, that they've been there on your hardest days, on your best days. Those are the people that really count and like really know you as a person. And you see it so common that people will give up the emotional side to just please the faceless masses out there just to get a like, just to be like, am I doing okay? Am I doing good? Stop asking because you already know whether you are or not. You know, like that's a personal decision to be like, I know I'm doing good or not. So just do it. But I, I think that has to do with the, the way we're wired in the reptilian brain, right? Because uh, there's, I think it was Simon Sinek who did a, was it a TED Talk or a podcast? And he was talking about how it's basically like a dopamine dump. Whenever you see people liking you, that's that's why, that's why selfies are so popular. I mean, girl gets her hair done, or sorry, her hair did, and immediately post it. And it's it's for that self-gratification of like, oh my God, you know, 122 people just thought that I was really pretty or whatever. And listen, I guess there's, again, I'm just trying to play the devil's advocate. Maybe that person, guy or girl, just needed that uplifting that day. I, I mean, I don't I don't know what they're going through, you know? I mean, is it... Do I post a picture every time I get a haircut? No, but that's but that's my own personal. Thank, um, God. Thank God you don't. I don't want you. Once <laughs> <laughs> every six months for you, Tio. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start doing it when I grow my beard, actually. You should do it every time you get that Steeler will graft it on your face in patches with the laser. Yeah. Well, so it's, you know, I also want to talk about the what type of people are you attracting? And then also... We've talked about the ripple effect, but how how are we affecting people around us? And then even if you do have a social media platform or any th- kind of platform, right? You could just be a public speaker. You could be working in a company and you're the boss and you're running the team meeting every day. Like what type of people are you attracting and also giving expectations? So there's the saying of like, if you hang around five millionaires, you'll be the sixth. If you hang around five bums, you'll be the sixth. Like, Think about it. That's very true. If you're around five extremely selfish, conceited people, how do you think you're going to turn out? More, more likely than not, you're going to be that type of person. If you hang around people who, like Raf said, keep you in check, are humble, work hard, and always keep you accountable, you're probably going to end up like very well balanced in, in all that. Because yes, we all do that. The three of us do that all the time. Like, dude, aren't you being, you know, hey, aren't you being an asshole? Mike and I'm like, yeah, you kind of, you're right, dude. I am being an asshole. Thanks for calling me up, you know. But that's that's very true. And then we like to point the finger at companies, at the military, at whatever. It's just like, well, in my generation, we didn't have that, you know. Back in my day, when I was in, it was harder, or we were like this or that, and it's so soft these days. Well, what are what are we doing to fix that? And what are we doing that's, you know, causing that? You know, there's a cause and effect. So it's like, 
hey, we're the quiet professionals, we're doing all this, but we're on Instagram, we're getting all kind of attention and free clothes and money. And, you know, I'm in movies, I'm in books, I'm in all this stuff or whatever. So if you join this, this unit, or you join this company, you're going to live like a rock star, bro. And then it's like, then you're getting those type of people that are seeking the the limelight and not seeking the shadow of where we're supposed to be, you know, and again, that's getting into my side of things. But it's like, we're attracting the wrong people. I don't, I don't want you. I don't need you here. If you want to do that, go somewhere else. Go, go, go play one on CBS. You know, I remember, I remember early on in my career being told by uh, like a guy was a flight commander while I was a, a cadet back in the day. And I had quite a bit to do with him, deployed with him later in my career. And he talked about your reputation, that your reputation is sort of everything. And that, um, but that's sort of only going to work in your community. You know, that the people who know you and know of you, that you you build that over over years. It, it doesn't come flash in a pan. There's no put one post out and get ten thousand likes, and now you've got a reputation. That it's it's something you graft away at. And as you're saying, those people who see you day in day, they see you when you're struggling, and they see you when you're doing well. And when things are really tough, they see what you like. And then that that reputation is it's like a character based, you know, it's a character based thing rather than a facade. And that lasts, like that goes with you. And it, it only really counts with people who count with you. You know, it's, it's, it's not like a, a status or a facade or a social media level um, external validation. But it's like people who will take your phone call when you need help because they know you or they know of you and they've got an idea of what kind of a person you are based on what you've been like when the cards are down. And that... That sort of tip I got early in my career, like I, I see that play out, you know, like I know guys now, these cadets who've, my old cadets have turned up and are now my uh, peers working with me in Saudi. So like I freaking remember these guys. And I remember, you know, none of them could fly at the start. So it's not like I'm going, oh, that guy's a good pilot. I'm just remembering what they were like as people and how they dealt with the challenges of learning and how they took a terrible debrief after they've, you know, had a, had a dud of a mission and then they freaking got on with it. And, you know, I know a guy ended up a display pilot and he wasn't ever that good at formation. And you're like, okay, so this guy has grafted away to become one of the guys in the Australian display team. And you're like, oh, freaking, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that guy, I'll work with him anywhere because that character-based reputation is established and it's the same person now that he was 15 years ago. Yeah. But trying to break that out a bit, you know, between... Because you were talking earlier about Russ, you know, ruthless Russell Ruth and uh, C4, that there's things that you admire about these people. And there's a reason why you chose that word admire, like I'm looking up to them. And it's not like you want to buy the T-shirt or the shoes that they were wearing. You're like thinking of character, mm-hmm. like trait-based behaviours that used to be really well valued and taught probably in our father's generation. It was a real heavy emphasis on that in education, scouts and community groups and other things. And it's not like these things, just because they're out of fashion doesn't mean they're not effective. And you can still look for that and look to instill that in your, in your children and the people you're involved with, junior people developing. And that stuff lasts. It comes with you. And it doesn't matter what career you're in. Like Raph and I now shifted on to a, a post-military career and it's not like these character, the character traits you developed over time have disappeared 
and reputation lasts or you reestablish it by the same efforts that you built it in the first place. Whereas, you know, a pair of shoes or a haircut aren't going to help. As we can clearly see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, you clearly see that. <laughs> yeah. Raph and I are, and none, none of us three are putting selfies of our haircuts up because they're the freaking same haircut every time you get them. <laughs> yeah, I just wear a bandana and cover up mine, which I get. Oh, God. No. But, I, you know, I almost feel weird commenting on people's uh, hobbies of, you know, again, I have a lot of friends that like to post selfies. And again, it's, is it something that I would do? Absolutely not. Cause I don't seek valid. Cause it's just my personality. I don't need validation from people that aren't, that I'm not close to, you know, but that's only because kind of what Melon just said, those principles are timeless, you know, where I, my loyalty lies with the men and women, boys and girls that I, that I've built this trust and this, and this, um, allegiance with over the years and it was just you know for instance matt hopper i've known matt hopper since 05 and i felt i've felt about him the way i did back in 05 as i do today like none of that has changed it's not like it just you know it was just of course it's been solidified over the years but the point is he's been the same person to me and i've been the same person to him so our our mutual respect for one another has it it was just built it kind of like what melon said it's it was built over small acts it wasn't like this massive thing that he did i was like oh my god matt hopper's great it's just like i've known him as a person i and i've seen him i've seen his work ethic i've seen his loyalty to his friends i mean he's been he's been there for me for a lot uh there's another guy named brent who i probably don't talk to as much as i'd love to but that dude called me right now and said he needed anything i i literally would be like hey Aubrey, i gotta go and then i'd explain to her and she'd be like oh yeah you should go and I'd start driving. I started driving to where he's at, you know, just, um, but those principles that you alluded to, uh, Melon, those are timeless. And I think that's the challenge for this newer generation that somehow kind of like what Mike said, you know, they think that this social, these social media platforms are, are real, but they're not. And I think they're finding out the hard way. I, again, just to quote people that have been like on Joe Rogan experience. And, and I, I can't remember specific names for these people that were on there, but they were saying how, the suicide rate and the self-harm rate and like the depression rate of these younger, this younger generation is, it's just skyrocketing, man, because they're that's, putting all this emphasis on things that just are not real, you know, like. That's, that's Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, a, a researcher. And he's got some really good stuff on, uh, you can look him up online. He's got the yeah. suicide rate and it plots with the introduction of social media, the introduction of cell phones, Facebook and especially in young people, so teenage girls and boys, it's like a, a ski jump, the, the rate of self-harm and suicide. And it's, it's got to do with that. Seeing the person next to you in school who's put a selfie out with a, a thousand filters on and all of a sudden she looks like a supermodel and you're like, how could I ever compete with that? Right. That's not real. So, well, Melon, can you speak uh, on one of your, um, your visit to Silicon Valley? Can you speak on what the... Uh... The engineers don't let their kids do? Yeah, yeah. So when I was lucky enough to do a tour there as part of my MBA a little while ago, and you talk to the guys at LinkedIn and Twitter and like all, all those top places, none of them let their children have any social media. These are the guys who are writing the code, who work in the businesses, and they're like, absolutely not. I mean, there's that great uh, the social dilemma is a very good thing to watch if you're a Anyone, anyone at our 
who's alive now, right? And it's a great way to think about these people who get addicted to their own product. They can't actually help it. A guy stuck in the pantry at nighttime when he should be home with his kids on Gmail, he is the guy who wrote the code for the thing that he's in there. Scan- he can't stop scanning. He's like, what am I doing in here? I've been here 90 minutes. So my wife didn't see me on my phone because I've got a thing about I can't use my phone after a certain time. You're like, there is no escape. The algorithm is gigantic and there's thousands of people working on making it addictive. So that's scary. No, look, to your, look to your immediate friend of people you trust, like you said, right? Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so I just wanted to touch on something. Here, here's a here's a fact that I've researched, you know, just for just for my community. So in this in this day and age, after 20 years of warfare, there's a lot of different things that that pop in. But did you know that for United States special operations, 30 it is 30% higher chance of suicide than all of the US military and among the uh, po- the American population. We own the highest suicide rate among all of it. And looking into research, there's tons of things from PTSD and deployments, uh, time away, family, personal issues, marriages, relationships, all that. But there's also such a part of expectations where people are joining with all of this um these expectations that like they're joining now because, Hey, they're like, Hey, I want to go to warfare. I want to do all the stuff that we've been doing and they get there. And we're not, we're not really doing what we've been doing for the last 20 years. Everything's changing and guys are getting in and they're, they don't have what it's called job satisfaction, right? Just like you don't have personal or life satisfaction. So when you don't get it of what, like, I'm not getting what I signed up for. Hey, this isn't the life I wanted. This isn't the, the status that I wanted you know, I'm not getting the pats on the backs. I'm not getting the, oh my God, you're so freaking cool. You're so hot. You're so handsome, like whatever. You're going to change tactics and find it any way you can. What do people do? They turn to drugs. They turn to drinking. They, they become someone that they've never thought they would be. They burn relationship with the people who care to people who are going to bring them that temporary fame and they're, and they're going to get into it. And then ultimately they, they spiral down without even seeing it because they have a fake smile on their face and then they hit a wall and it's like all over and they have no n- nothing to turn to. And the, the facts are right there. It's like, you know, these big, bad, soft guys, you know, 30%, man, that's crazy, crazy high, you know? So it's like, what are, what are we doing to help each other? <clears throat> oh, the baby. <laughs> that is a horrendous, Let's uh, start there, Mike. And I think there's something in that. Probably, I think we'd need to do a whole episode to draw out exactly what's going on there. But you know, I know that we're getting close to, to time here, and probably need to sort of wind this up. I think it's it's pretty clear uh, for the three of us, in any case, that those relationships with people you know and those relationships with people you respect are the ones that are going to bear fruit for decades and. You can't take any of this with you in any case. And the opinions of people that you don't know and the opinions of people that you don't respect are not the kinds of things that are going to bring sustainable meaning or sustainable self-esteem. And, you know, if each of the listeners is thinking about someone that they know and that they admire and that they look up to, there are character traits that those people have and you know, if you could emulate them and be more, you know, 2% more like that tomorrow than you were yesterday, 
you'll be on a trajectory towards something sustainable. Yeah, that's great. Is there any, any uh, final thoughts from you guys there? Do you, did you want any, any final thoughts there, Raph, on this topic? No, I'm good, man. I, I This discussion can go on for forever, man. I, I think um, for any listener, because we're all human and we all go through it, I think you need to ask yourself, you know, what value you bring other people, because I think that will give you an existence that you want to be a part of. Uh, I think that's really important. And that's everybody, man. That's that's me. That's you. That's all. The, that's everybody. Uh, and then, you know, be weary of any social platform or social media platform, because, you know, it's not real. I mean, do they bring value? Of course they do. But, um, you know, it's not reality. You know, the the likes, the the quote unquote friends, like kind of like what you said, Mel, and it's it's a maybe it shouldn't be the term we should be using, you know, right? Because they're not really friends. And, and not yeah. not that I want to, it's not like a bad connotation, but I, I know what you're alluding to, and, and I just don't know how, I don't have the words to explain it, but if you don't know their parents, they're probably not your friends. <laughs> yeah. So I would like to leave one thing, and, and I just want kind of a, a little challenge to the listeners, because this is something I, you know, I, I revert back to when I think about, okay, here's the situation. How do I handle it? And it's funny, but I go back to it. It's just like, okay, think about something that you gave your heart and soul to, okay? Whether it's a job, whether it was going through college, whether it was working your your way up to achieve a position or a title or like whatever it was. Like, so, you know, for me, it was like going through selection on day one. I was like praying to God every day, please just let me make it through one more day, one more day, one more day. I just want to get there. This is all I want to do. You know, I'm, I'm making promises to God. I'm like, God, if you let me through this, I promise I, I won't ever be, I won't swear anymore. I'll be humble. <laughs> you know, it's like you make all these outrageous things because you want this so bad. Would that, if, if I walked into a room and that mic was in front of me, would he kick my ass? for who I am today and be like, what the hell did you do to yourself, dude? That is not why you started this. That, that is not why you're here. Would he kick my ass? And I could usually say yes or no pretty quick. And that's a great guide because at that time I was in a place of desire, <clears throat> desire passion. I was driven. I was in a really good place when I was in, at the beginning and I was climbing the mountain and it's, it's very easy in a sense to get to the top of the mountain it's even harder to stay up there. It's very hard to stay on top. So we always need to look back. People always say, forget your past, move forward, you know, be new you. No, I don't agree. Turn around, look behind you, see your footprints that you left behind, see the hills that you went up, the mountains, the valleys that you went through, the struggles, and remember where you're at and what and how you got there and stay humble and keep, and keep going. So I just want to, Everybody listening, think about what yours is and reflect on that. Well, I reckon that's a great place to leave it. So until next week, stay focused, stay sharp. Don't be afraid of maintaining connections on social media, but uh, have a think about who you respect and who you admire. All the best.